Welcome to the Jay and Pav podcast experience. Please grab a coffee, set down your marking, and embark on this playful, fun, yet genuine listening experience on education. And you're listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che, Hurricane Cheney, and Pav, Wonder Woman, Wonder. We bring you a new weekly episode where we talk casually about some of the most relevant topics in education today. We're also associated with the Boyshead Radio team, where we host our morning radio show called The Drive. We're also teamed up with School Rubric where you can find our podcast and so much more of our work. We also host a weekly Twitter ed chat with a group of other educators. Check us out at the hashtag education never dies Wednesday, 930 PM Eastern. And now here we are chain Pav and the staff room podcast. All right, so let's dive right in to episode 57 of the Staff Room Podcast. And today we are talking about creating with technology. And more specifically, how do we want our learners to be engaging with the technology that we have in our rooms, in particular, to be able to create with? I'm very excited for this conversation today. It's going to be a great one. We've got lots of great ideas, I'm sure, which we will get into in just a moment. Before we do that, I'm going to spend a moment just introducing myself. My name is Pav and I make up half of the Staff Room podcast. I am sitting next to my co-host who usually introduces himself. Do you expect me to talk? No, I expect you to die, Staff Room podcast. (laughs) Now shoot me with a laser beam. (laughs) I believe I know what this is. Yeah, you know. I do. I think I do. Mm. Mo knows for sure. Mo knows. <laughs> Mo knows. Absolutely. It has been a, a great week. A great week of learning and discovering and reflecting. And so we come to this episode this week because this is the stuff we're doing in our room. Mm-hmm. And so we feel fresh. We feel like talking about what is it that we want to ascend to or build upon or target with our use of technology. So I'm looking forward to this, but the dynamics change a little bit because, of course, we also have our pride and joy, the drive on Voicehead Radio, but our pride and joy was a colossal flop last (laughs) Sunday when we couldn't even get ourselves online. So our, our dynamic has been Friday is solely 
podcast preparation, but we're actually recording this similar to how we recorded in the summer path. We just finished 40 minutes live on yes. the drive. Oh, sorry. Live on the... The test drive. Test drive. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was... Um, I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this this past week because Sunday evening when we did, when we hosted the drive, well, we tried to host the drive and it just couldn't go live. It was such a colossal failure. And, you know, we, we really um, dove into why it happened, what could we have done differently, what, what do we need to fix, what are all the different variables that we need to test uh, to make sure that, that it doesn't happen again. I mean, this is such a big part of our lives, such a big part of every, of every week that we don't want it to fail. We don't want it to, you know, we don't want even one evening where we, where we don't provide the drive for the people in our space. And so, we um we really really went through every iteration of you know what could what could we do to fix this this week and and i think that we will be successful this week and so i'm i'm glad we did because it it took that big colossal failure to really fix every aspect um you know we we did everything we we tested every variable and we made sure we fixed every variable so that on sunday we don't experience the same and our test drive went really well so i'm hoping for the same on sunday Could evening you, can you imagine the negative energy that would have been spewing in this podcast episode if the drive had been a colossal oh, the test drive had I, been a colossal failure you know i can't even imagine that we would have recorded a podcast episode to be honest we really should have recorded the podcast before we went live in the in the event that we experience failure again because what a colossal failure that podcast episode would have been you know what we should be doing is recording this podcast live <laughs> as an event what live podcast recording because everyone will tell you that there's we could not sell you on the idea that we edit this no this is teacher talk. This is teacher talk, and it's it is pretty it is pretty much live. We we don't ever do multiple takes. It's it's all done in one take. The only thing that we do is we take a a quick uh, three minute break in between when our three enlightened minutes guest is speaking. Although last week we didn't do that. We actually went live the entire time for the entire episode. Uh, we sure did. <laughs> we sure did. Uh, I took a break when uh, when Pirate Teacher arrived to talk uh, about... It would be a stunning success. What was it? Sword inquiries? That's right. We don't <laughs> do a lot of reading eh, on our ships. We swing swords. <laughs> it was tons of fun. So if you have an opportunity, please do go back and check out. Or episodes. or I'll just I'll just redo it again today. Yeah, you know, maybe mm, hard let's pass? do something. A soft pass. Okay. Wonderful. Um, so let's talk about our week. And I think we've mentioned this the last few times. We feel our our content is more poignant because it's not weeks and weeks of reflecting and wondering. We're now in the class. Mm -hmm. We're doing things. Mm -hmm. We're taking all our new learning and putting it into practice or taking our old ways, modifying it with our new learning and putting it into practice. Can I, um, can I ask you a question? Well, but of course. <laughs> so um, I don't, I don't know if you feel the same way, or maybe you do, but do you feel like you're trying to cram everything that's in your head into your classroom? Because I feel like I want to do it all and I want to do it all this week. 
And I feel like I just, I just can't, I have to slow down because I have so many ideas of things that I want to try with my class uh, that I'm like, no, no, I can't just drop everything on them in one week. I have to spread it out. I have to go slow because we have to try and master everything. We're not master, but you know, get enough into uh, every particular idea that, that we have before we can move on to something entirely different or build on things as we go. But I have like all of this inside of me and I just want to unleash it all. I don't know if you find that. I just feel like I, I want to, but I got to slow down a little bit with my class. Wait, you just say, I am actually totally into that. I have had like by Monday at 935, I'm, I'm like, I had 18 things planned in these first yeah, 25 minutes of the morning. How have I not got to them all? Kids, and, and I had then, big plans. I had social media docked out for what pictures were going on what day. I want to show this great ascension yes. of our learning. Yeah. But the learning still is sending. The learning still it great. Is, absolutely. But our excitement is so I can't wait because we also know, we don't know, we, we when it's the teaching goes hand in hand with our content, with the podcast, we want to be able to talk about something today that we did during the week. Yes. And so we're really excited. We have lots of great ideas, but you know, we know teaching is a thousand great ideas and we get to two or three and then we know the rest are going to come. Right. And so, yeah, I agree with you. There's so much things I want to do, want to try. And in the long run, it doesn't matter because I'm, I'm trying one or two each week and right. they're either going really well or I'm tinkering with them or I'm never going to try them again. Yeah. But it's lots of fresh things to talk about here so let's uh let's dive in to that conversation yeah you know we we had some great conversation this week about um how we currently are using technology and i know you spoke to your students about the different ways that we use technology in in our lives and uh and and i really like the way that you had this conversation with your students um about being consumers interactors and creators with technology and and you you discussed with your students what the difference is between you know simply consuming or not just simply consuming because that's important too to be a consumer of of uh of what's on technology or in technology or has to do with technology um and but then interacting with technology and then creating within technology and that's not simply reserved towards technology itself it's it's a lot of things right we can apply this to um but i really like that conversation and i thought that that might be a good starting point to really delve a little bit deeper into this topic exactly exactly what i was talking about with my class and then you talked also about it's it's you can transfer that to how it works in your class when we talked about consuming um i made the reference that when i you know teach in a traditional colonial means you're just consuming what i'm giving you mm -hmm. and it's and i would and i attest there's some value in it but there's not a there, there's there's holes in that and so when, we when it comes to when it comes to real authentic learning yes yes and so when we started with my class, one of the things we've both, this is new for us, is having a, a plethora of devices and technology at our disposal. We've taught a long time, but we've been in um, classrooms and facilities that haven't been able to facilitate a mass amount of technology. And I know my teaching has thus lent away from technology because I couldn't depend on having it all that often. And so you just start to, to rely on other sort of tricks or teaching techniques or great learning opportunities that aren't tech-based. Mm -hmm. And so we've had an explosion of trying to dive into tech because 
we do have a one-to-one ratio going at the moment. Mm-hmm. I know your school is providing one-to-one ratio. My school doesn't provide it. We have X amount of, of devices, but with a small enrollment because of our current situation and then school kids bringing, bringing in their own devices on a regular basis, all of a sudden I found that I am in this one-to-one ratio and it provided a, a endless amount of opportunity. So we started to dive and dabble with the tech. But then I started to talk to our students. We got to... What's, Let's have a plan with our tech. Let's see what we're doing with our tech. What do we want to do with the technology and the information available to us all the time? And I, and I had this conversation. And, you know, you and I, we've talked to like David Hanel a little bit on yes. some other work. And we know he's a real tech guy and he's a real proponent of bring your own devices. And we've been reading a few articles. Like I read one recently, uh, Creating with Technology is the Hallmark of 21st Century Teaching. Mm-hmm. And, and dove into a few articles like that. And none of them necessarily had this list, so it's not necessarily right, but this is sort of the way I took it and and talked about it with my students. I said, one, with technology, consuming. Straight consumption. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about sort of interacting and engagement. Maybe you post a comment. Maybe you, uh, you like something here or there, that engagement. And then we talked about creation with our technology Mm -hmm. and then an an extension collaboration and i did make this sort of assumption or we teach it up that we are ascending to be creators with technology that's where we want to be at that we made a lot of parallels and connections that consumption with technology and sort of interaction with technology isn't necessarily a new skill it's not necessarily something new like a lot of um consumption of technology you could consume without the technology we just choose to make the consumption with technology but it's not necessarily essential uh the interaction like if you find ways to interact to engage with technology you'll get a lot of things like let's make some polls or let's give instant feedback but i can do that with hands and sticky notes right so their engagement but are they really a, a new type of skill any they're engaging but you know what i can duplicate this without the technology and still produce the same level of learning or engagement i would argue yeah and so we then spoke about building and creating. So then we, we did some we did some conversation. We did some self-assessment. I used the Google Classroom. We, we did some of these feedback, instant feedback in Google Classroom, and then some live discussion. You know, wh- where do you see yourself as a, in this pyramid I sort of constructed on, on technology? Mm-hmm. And most people were very comfortable. Yeah, I consume. I sit and I consume. Mm-hmm. And then I actually draw it back to the classroom. And I said, if I'm just teaching, if I'm just teaching and I'm just talking, what, what how is much that? are you going to engage with that or, yeah or learn from i we even i expanded even further sorry pal i'm going i'm going off i'm almost repeating what yeah, i talked i've had my hand up for about i saw it minutes. i saw it and then i looked over to the right just yeah. past you i know you did you want to jump in no no finish your thought okay come back in 35 minutes i'll be done <laughs> okay um i made this connection to our students that when i'm talking from the head of the room and you're a consumer the person that's actually doing the greatest learning is probably me mm-hmm. because I know that the the highest ascension of students learning is when students are teaching each other. That's when you. That's when you. The, the, the synapses are firing. That's when you're cementing all that learning. So I said, despite me, maybe I just got a pen thrown at me. Despite <laughs> not the first time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Despite um, me teaching something I already know, it's actually the greatest learning is for me because I'm the one talking. I'm the one sort of not just solely consuming. So we made those parallels that for you as a student, it's so boring. There's, there's, it's tough to be a consumer of, of me and I don't want to be just giving out information like that. And then we talk, Then we made the parallels back to, well, how are you using your tech? How are you using the web? And, and most students were really identified. They all self-identified. I'm, I'm just a consumer. A few people said I'm an interactor, but almost everyone said they're a consumer and no one, no one had that experience or self-identified 
as a creator. Yeah. Uh, it's funny that you should mention that because I, um, I feel like creativity is uh, inherent in, in all people, but somewhere along our growth, it becomes, um, you know, it becomes covered up. You know, we, we sort of, we push it aside and we suddenly become consumers of knowledge, right? And this, this happens, I don't know when it happens, to be honest, does it happen when we start school? I'm sure there's some science on this. Um, you know, when, when do students or when do children, uh, switch off their creativity? Because kids are always exploring. They're always doing things. They're always finding ways to be creative. Um, whether it's building blocks and this is natural, right? They will find things to, to create with, and they, they do this naturally and inherently. And I think all people do this. Um, and somewhere along the line, it becomes a little bit, um, you know, suppressed. And, and so, I feel like we all have it in us to be creators. We all have it in us to be creative, uh, but it needs a little bit of a nudge, right? And I think that uh, our role as supplementers of this technology in our classrooms or facilitators, I should say, um, is to is to offer that nudge to students to say that, no, you've got this in you, you've got it somewhere. Um, and something that always really amazes me um, in our team dynamic is that you are exceptionally creative, except exceptionally creative. And I find it very hard to be uh, as creative as you are. Not to say that I can't be um, completely, but I think it requires a little bit more um, intentionality on my part. And, uh, and I think that it's the same with the kids in our spaces. So just as you said, you know, very few students in a room, even towards the end of the year, will, will put their hands up to say, yes, I'm a creator. It doesn't come naturally um, at, at, in older children as, as people grow up because they be become very comfortable as consumers or simply interactors. And, and it is like a pyramid and you can go from one space to another. And, uh, you know, the other thing that I was thinking of is that this, this pyramid or this stepladder, uh, reminds me a lot of the SAMR model. And we've talked about the SAMR model before. And if we're just, we're thinking about the way that teachers interact with technology in their classrooms or people when they are using technology and how they are, uh, utilizing the tech in their spaces. Um, you know, it goes from the substitute substitution to augmentation, to modification, to then redefinition, which is, you know, using that technology to really, um, explore all the different ways that we can be creative with our technology. And, uh, this was, uh, this is a concept that was created by Dr. Ru been, um, Puente, de, Puente Dura. And, uh, he came up with this, uh, quite a while ago. I have mentioned the, the SAMR model on the uh, podcast before, but this is an easy Google search. I mean, you can learn lots and lots about it. And, you know, I've spoken to staff about this in the past as well. You know, when it comes to using technology in our spaces, are we just substituting it for other things in our, like the paper and pencil task? Like, as you say, you know, you can, you can, you can be teaching with sticky notes and simple hands up poles. And, and that would be a simple substitution to do like poles using your technology. Um, and, and so how do you go from that simple substitution to redefinition that requires a lot of creativity. And, um, 
And so it parallels this this consumer to interactor to creator. And, and so how do we move up that stepladder to become people who are redefining the way that we are using that technology and not simply just to consume or just to interact, but, you know, there's, there's a plethora, there is a, a world in front of us that we can uh, really take advantage of with, with the technology in our spaces. Oui, je sais, le French philosopher Rousseau. Yep. Talked a lot about play and exploration. And so... Um, that was Rousseau. Yes. That's what, uh, that is what I said. Yes. Um, I, I jotted that down. The redefinition of how mm. we're using tech. Just a brilliant statement. Um, it was really good with my discussion with my class for them to self-identify. It wasn't for me to tell them, are you just consuming? It was really... It was good to sort of define everything because I don't think... Maybe not even myself, because not enough tech experience had I sort of laid it. I probably instinctively knew it, but I hadn't sort of articulated it. And so the luxury of having tech at my disposal in my room doesn't mean that I use tech all the time, but it means I have it and I can embed it. And so it's going to, I'm going to make connections in my teachings to how we interact with tech. So I was able to make the connection to consumption with me as just standing as a colonial style teacher mm -hmm. that I was, you're just consuming. And then we were able to draw the parallel to learning styles that as a student, you ascend to the greatest form of your learning or demonstrate your learning at the highest capacity. Uh, capabilities when you are teaching your peers and it's sort of funny it's not funny it's been one of the great things to see when our kids started to get to some creation with students i had a few students immediately i'm jumping ahead here but um it just popped in my mind a few students that immediately i can't do this mr chain i don't want to do it and i use the math principles of dan finkel as well yes okay yes Mm -hmm. I'm not the answer key. I'm not going to solve this. But the excitement of other students that had discovered how to do something that, you know, like every 13 or 14 year old, no matter how quiet someone asked me a question, 80% of the kids heard the question mm -hmm. and 60% are going to rush to answer. How many kids said, oh, here, come here, come here, Mr. Chain, I got this. Come here, I'll show you how to do this. I'll show you how to do this. And the excitability of one to be able to create to then be able to demonstrate to someone how to create. And I was able to draw those parallels. So when you have the, the tech embedded in your class, you become so free-flowing to make connections with tech, with your teaching and with your learning style, where for me personally, I hadn't done that before because tech was so compartmentalized. And and so that's been a real good growth for me as a teacher. Well, like I'm excited to talk about this because I was excited to teach it. And so when I came up with this, I, and it is my list, like maybe it's somewhere else, maybe I'm stealing it and someone's going to, you know, send hate tweets at me, but it's not intentionally stealing it. But it was just, it was, and it's probably been talked about before and I've heard it, but it was just how I described it to my class. We're consuming, we step up, we become engagers and interactors, and then ultimately we want to become creators and collaboration. And I just want to step in for one second because you're right. You're right. Um, I don't disagree with you. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily though a step that you're continually going up, right? Because you can uh, be consuming and creating at the same time or interacting and consuming at the same time or interacting and creating at the same time. Like those things are not exclusive of one another. It's not right? like uh, Bloom's taxonomy of, of the pyramid, where in, in essence, it's not actually a pyramid, it's a big circle, right? Yeah, right. Like, like in like you're right, like as you're saying that, I'm, I immediately flashed to my mind, I said, oh, actually, one of the best sort of tech discoveries was having author talks with authors in San Francisco that my students never would have interacted with before. So the power of technology really cemented 
a yes. great learning activity. Yes. And then I immediately thought of Bloom ta- Bloom's taxonomy because it's a pyramid, but it's only a pyramid in the education f- circle. Right. You it, have to actually look at it from the top. It really down. is a circle. And yeah. really, it, it, th- th- that argument would be no matter what skill you're doing, as long as you're applying it, then that's the highest form of learning. But mm-hmm. of course, Bloom's doesn't do it that way. Or for it, it gets... Uh, manipulated in the education field to make it an ascending step. Right. Maybe to make it easier. And I, I probably just instinctively did that as I taught. Mm-hmm. I can make it a series of steps to sort of make it visually easy to see right. the ascension. Right. But, but perhaps if it's a circle and yeah, the arrows are it, going around and pointing to each other and, and everything. As long, and as, long as you're applying the consumption, yeah. as long as you're applying right. the uh, interaction, as long as you're applying the creation then each one maybe doesn't have more or less value than the other. Right. As I sort of spin my own wheels here in thought. But I do think, I, I still think to the core, it's like you, you use that great, great word redefinition. It's that creation of something new and different where I still feel a little bit of that consumption and that yes. interaction is still dupli- it's still manageable somewhere else. Right. Where maybe in that technology realm, we really can create something that we couldn't have created without it. I'll just uh, provide you with a, a small example from, uh, I would say, yeah, between you and I, actually, um, you know, you taught, you taught me how to use the app over as you've taught countless other people. <laughs> in over and over yeah, again. Over and over again. <laughs> but but, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, you know, it's, it's when it comes to creativity, right? You're, you're not being creative if you're just copying what somebody else is doing, right? That's not, that's not being creative. Um, but you can take inspiration from other people, right? So, uh, a lot of the time when you create something, I'm like, oh, that's really good. And, and not that I try to copy it, but I take, I try to take a little bit of inspiration from it. Right. And so you have to be able to consume that or at least interact with it to, to then be able to apply a little bit of creativity towards it. Right. So sometimes, sometimes our kids need to consume before they can create because without that consumption, and and you see this happening in your classrooms all the time, right? You have a kid sitting in front of their paper with nothing there and it's blank and they can't think of anything. Suddenly they see somebody walk by with their piece of work and it triggers an idea or it triggers something in their head. Oh, I didn't think of it that way. Or I was thinking of something completely different and I was stuck. I didn't know you could do it like that. And then, and then it triggers an idea and it gives them something to work off of. And so that inspiration can come from the consumption. Um, but creativity, creativity doesn't always have to mean reinventing the wheel. Creativity can mean, you know, taking that wheel and making it a little bit more efficient, right? So I, I, I love the idea of it. And it's got me thinking a lot about how it works in our classrooms and our spaces. And I'm also applying it a lot to my own personal life, because I don't think of myself as a, as a creative, right? I'm not, I'm just not, I'm, I mean, I'm really great at following steps. And, um, also you like my ascension ladder of creation, sort of, sort of, (laughs) it's still cyclical to me. (laughs) <laughs> my hand is up your hand is up shut up <laughs> <laughs> i had written 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 i teach english eh? i had sketched down here not all tech is created equal and then when you started to talk about consumption i circled consumption wait wait not all consumption is equal mm. and the blind assertion that all consumption is maybe mindless consumption is inaccurate if you've if you've curated or if the students have found the right material 
that can that can fire them up. And I made this other connection here. This is one of the things where the the new restrictions of face to face have hurt me because I've always been I've always thought one of my strengths is they're able to break down a task and event into a series of mini tasks. And a lot of those have always created that walkabout because students do get uh, stumped, can't find that trigger, don't have that motivation because it's tough to be fully motivated given 100% all the time as a student. Like that's an unrealistic expectation. Right. These are 13 and 14 year olds. I, I know when I'm on Twitter and when I'm given a PD, although no one ever asked me to give PD, or if I'm on Instagram, I, I got to convince you that I have my kids motivated 100% all the time. But we know in the classroom that's no. it's just not realistic. Right. Kids, kids have their ups, their waves, their down, and you've got to find ways to just get them going, get them going. And I've always had a lot of walkabout activities, a lot of stop and check with your partners in in, in activities that typically I don't think we would have done that type of, of, mm-hmm. of technique because you pointed that out perfectly. You never know what's going to just spark our students. So when you try to give them lots of opportunities, sort of the midway point, the beginning point, uh, the pre-activities to, f- to find ways to ignite them, um, that's what you want to do. So when you were talking about that, I just said, yeah, that's so true. I miss that part of, I, in other, other ways you can do it, but I miss a lot of that with the, being able to quickly, all right, kids, get up, share with your partner because now mm-hmm. we have all these new right. restrictions. Right. I don't feel as comfortable yet to jump into those techniques that I would have jumped in so long ago. But I, I made that connection, uh, connection when you talked about consumption and then I sort of was rethinking my thinking is that not all consumption okay. is equal. Right. And, and I do, I have to say that I do love the idea of the midpoint check-in and the midpoint walkabout, not, not with the final product or, you know, it's just, uh, we, we do that walkabout when kids are just beginning or have done their rough work or have just conceptualized what they want to do. Or when it comes to writing, maybe they've just gotten past their first graphic organizer. They just came up with their keywords for what they're going to write about and share those ideas so that it sparks something in somebody. And so that, that idea of providing, uh, opportunities for inspiration are, are lovely. And I, and I, and I really do like that idea. And I think that it's very beneficial for our students. And so I do hope that we can, um, continue to employ that a little bit more. Um, I think it's a good time for us to take a little bit of a break right now. What do you think? I do think every once in a while (laughs) and i get a little pain right over here (laughs) um yes perfect time for three enlightened minutes uh so we can come back and really talk about some of the things we did with our kids this week in the creation uh sphere that worked really well but i think despite our conversation and still trying to to piece it all together we know from our experience that our kids were very comfortable self-identifying as consumers Many of them were comfortable talking about how they did interact, but almost everyone identified as a big time consumer. Mm-hmm. And there was an excitability in our students when they sort of, they they were able to compartmentalize it a little bit because it's sort of like the mall, it's, it's scaffolding, it's modeling, it's showing that there are, this is how we can use our tech. I don't think my students were as comfortable it's sort of self-determining the different roles tech could play. And so they did have a level of excitability to want to start to create because they hadn't self-identified as created and they couldn't pick any examples of, of things they had created solely with tech. Mm-hmm. And so I really think 
as we move off to these three enlightened minutes that I know for us this week, our students really were excited with the idea of being creators in that technology space. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to get more into this conversation after our three enlightened minutes, but we do have a fantastic guest with us today. Her name is Rabia Kokar, and she is an ESL teacher here in Toronto, very close to us. And so she is going to be discussing a little bit more about the asset-based lens within the classroom and students bringing a wealth of knowledge to the classroom. And she's going to talk a little bit more about the value of assessments, differentiation, and the intentionality behind um, uh, multilingual spaces in our classroom. So here is Rabia Kokar with our three enlightened minutes. Hi, my name is Rabia Kokar, and these are my three enlightened minutes. Currently, I'm an ESL resource teacher in Toronto, Ontario. As this is a new role for me, I'm really interested in thinking about how I can design and carry out this program through an equity lens, which really respects and honors students' identities and lived experiences. So far, I'm learning that to do this, I must always ensure that I see my students from an asset-based lens. An asset-based lens really helps us always understand and remember that our students bring an abundance of knowledge and lived experiences with them to their learning spaces. If they're in the process of learning English, this means that they're just adding more knowledge to what they already know. And one of our roles is to help them and guide them through this process. I'm also learning that in ESL classrooms and also other learning spaces, we give a lot of assessments that sort of try to help us learn about our students. But I think more importantly, what I'm learning is that assessments only show us a part of our students and their abilities. They don't always present the whole picture. So I think it's really important for us to critically reflect on the types of assessments we're giving our students, when we're giving them, the reasons for them. And we must always try to provide um, multiple different opportunities to help our students really show their thinking and learning. I'm also um, really reflecting on the platform and positional power that teachers have. And I really think that we can use this to help our students see and recognize that we live in a multilingual society, community and country. And that this is a really big asset for our communities. I think one of the ways to really show and do this work is to think about the resources that we're sharing with our students. We have to be intentional and deliberate in our teacher moves. And some of the ways we can do this is by providing um, dual language books for that are relevant for our students. Um, we can also try to seek out stories that show characters who are speaking different languages. One of the great books that I've come across, which is a picture book that really really can help us um, reflect on a multilingual society and community is called The Word for Friend by Aidan Cassie. Um, And it's, it's just a really great place for us to start to begin these conversations. I really believe that an ESL classroom is a great place to help our students build a sense of a strong sense of self by honoring all parts of their identities and lived experiences. Language is a really big part of our identities and and we really want to create a space that supports our students um, being proud, um, proud of all parts of their identities. We don't want them to come to school in their learning spaces thinking that they have to 
um, get rid of aspects of who they are, but we really want to create an inclusive space um, that respects and honors all parts of who they are. I really think reflecting on some of these things, we can really strive to make um, an equitable learning space. Um, thank you so much for listening to some of my thoughts and reflections. Now back to Shay and Pav. Thank you. And thank you, Rabia, for that really great three enlightened minutes. You know, we've had uh, a long conversation with Rabia on uh, building classroom libraries in the past, mm -hmm. and she is so uh, rich with knowledge and information. And I love this three enlightened minutes because it was actually slightly different than the conversation we had with yes. her. Still under that culturally responsive teaching, 100%, but the fixation on the, the importance of language. I'm already jotting down some ideas of how I want to embed uh, with more intentionality, embracing the language as part of that, uh, as part of culturally responsive teaching. So I thought it was really great that she was able to contribute uh, on this episode, and I found it really enlightening to get even a little bit more than the very powerful conversation we had with her probably, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago? Yeah, if not a little bit more than that. But uh, this conversation, you're right, absolutely. You know, as we're thinking about our ELL learners and our or English language learners in our classrooms, or even, uh, you know, the multi looking at it through the multicultural lens and, and representing the different languages that are in our classrooms and, and teaching, keeping that in mind, that's something that we have to consider as well. So that's, that was fantastic. And so we were really thrilled to be able to hear from Rabia for our three enlightened minutes. All right. So let's uh, bring it back to our topic. Yeah. Creativity. That's, that's your cue to tell me what the topic was. Hey, eh? <laughs> like I'm old, like that three minute break is all I needed to forget. I've already forgotten. No, no, I no, haven't. Of course. There's been a good conversation about yeah. sort of where do we want to go with our tech and do we want to be, or we want to be, I would still state, we want to be creators with yes. the tech. And I think having taken the gauge and the pulse of my class, so we're meeting them where they're at and where they want to go, this is a collective classroom target where we've talked about it, we've we've shared our experiences, and you know where we want to go? We want to be creators because yes. they haven't seen themselves as creators. Yes, I would say that we want to go from being solely consumers to being consumers as well as interactors as well as creators. Because I think it's important to consume the content as well and interact with the content. So it's not to say that once we become creators of the content, we're going to let go of the consumption and of the interaction with the technology. So um, I love that idea and, and I love uh, the ascension. I love that piece of moving up to it. And you want to say something? Oh, I just had one of those like odd moments where I thought of something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and because and often a best way to understand is when you make those personal connections and you know what we've become better at our craft at podcasting mm -hmm. don't go and write a nasty review now because you don't believe it <laughs> um, but we have become better but as we've become better at creating our content and, and creating even more content you know what ends up happening? We are consuming more of other people's content You're right. with much more intentionality. You're right. So we listen vaguely to sort of get an idea of what to do. Now we've gone off and done our own thing. And now we go back and we invest a lot of time in listening to other people's content, how they master their craft, the, this, the, the pedagogies they're delivering. I'm much better at consuming Yes. Because I've become very good at creating. We've become better consumers. And think of all of the interacting we do. You know, we are in EduPodcasters podcast or Voxer groups. We are interacting with the content. We're, you know, we, we participate in Twitter chats while we're listening to content. 
you know, so we are interacting with the content that we are consuming as well. Uh, we have conversations, we engage in book talks, book talks is interacting with our consumption and, and you're right. Absolutely. We are far more intentional with the way that we are consuming our technology as well. And, and that has, I, I feel like it has made our creation of the content even better. So it, uh, it, it all works hand in hand with each other, I think. And it's all important for becoming better with creating. Creating. Absolutely. Yeah. So why don't we talk about some of the things we've actually created this week to actually justify why we got to talk about this for 35 minutes. Yes. Not because I did it 18 years ago. <laughs> well, do you know, you were talking about uh, creating and, and we were thinking about the different ways that we've used technology to create. And I can remember years ago, I want to say five, six, seven years ago, um, when we were using technology to create um, comic strips. And it, they were simple little comic strip boxes and you can put your characters in there and you can have their little talking bubbles and all kinds of captions and you, you make all this stuff. So we were doing all of the pre-writing beforehand and, and then the culmination of the task was to create your comic strip. I, and for the life of me, I tried to think of what it was called. I, I wanted to say it was BitTunes or... Uh, something I don't remember what it was, but it was a, a really great app that we were using. Or you I, know, I believe it was a computer program. It was a computer program. I remember trying to find an app to sort of duplicate something similar, and yeah. I had this halftone or halftone two, right. where you could make these one-page comic strips, and you could add the thought bubbles and the blast bubbles right. and the characters. Yeah, and I specifically remember it being a strip, and but I cannot remember the name of it. And I tried to do a search for it, I couldn't find it. It may not exist anymore. It could have been bought out by somebody else. But the idea behind it. It was we were using we were using our technology and the access that we had at the time to create and so this was something that we were doing long ago and uh, this week um, although we haven't done any comics but I would love to come back and do the comics again at some time um, but this week we I actually got my my students on my Canva class account right so you and I we've been using over since uh, since we began with the podcast and you've been using it for a really long time uh, Canva does much of the same thing but it has this really neat feature where you can um, give assignments to students on Canva and you can import your Google Classroom into Canva and and assign tasks for them to do and they have access Access to all the same templates. Um, and there's, there's so much stuff in there that I even haven't been able to explore it. And literally while my class was working on a task today is when I imported them all into the Google classroom. So they were all, uh, working on a task and all of a sudden they get this invitation from Canva. I and know my phone was lighting yeah, up with email notifications. So I used the wrong email address <laughs> to sign all the kids up. And so we were getting pings and pings all day long, but um, uh, so the students and like within five minutes, I had three students already signed up and working on their first creation. I hadn't even assigned anything to them yet. They were exploring and they were looking at things and they created their, their first little art. You know, they were so excited about being able to create images and artwork, uh, digitally. Like this is something that they're very interested in. I had no idea they even knew how to do anything on this, this is something that I was going to do in like a 15 part lesson. So, um, 
I'm very excited to see where this goes. You know, after the weekend, we'll talk a little bit more about it in class. And, and I'm, I'm curious to see what they create with this, uh, with, with Canva. There's, there's so many places that they can go with this. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to what they produce. So am I. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Too bad they too. didn't get done by Friday. You could have posted pictures. Well, I, I, I intended for us to start <laughs> next week, right? I didn't intend for them to start when it was like 2.55 and the bell's going to go in five minutes. So it was, it was very interesting. We've done some other creation this week too, I, but I, I want you to share. I always love when these, uh, these apps and these sites mesh really well with the Google Classroom. Yeah, I do too. Because we're right in with the Google Suites. Um, Google for Education. They changed the name. It's no longer G Suite. I didn't authorize that. Yeah, I know. They changed it. They used to be GAF before, and people used to laugh at that. But it was uh, Google Apps for Education, and so the acronym was GAF. And then they changed it to G Suite to make it a little nicer sounding, I guess. And now they've changed it for Google to Google for Education. I so. think Josh was talking about this on our EduPodcaster meet with Tim, right? He was talking about all his Google swag. He had to switch again because they yeah, were switching that's their right. icons. Yeah, the, the, the icons. And so all the swag has changed too. Again, I was not consulted. Nope. They never think about us. Creation. Um, I've always been very good with over. I've always been using that a lot. And it's been a great way to create photos with regards to text and, and adding it on to photos, which seems a very trivial now. But I know when I started that uh, 10 or 12 years ago, it's a great way to engage and create content re- regarding a read aloud. So we, I'd always connected to a read aloud chapter, a, a bunch of chapters where you had to capture three scenes. So there was the huge art component, but we always spent time saying, but the true artistry is in how you create the text, how you interlay it, how you shadow it, how you use the colors to contrast. And that's what would make the picture a creation where people would stop and stare and say, wow, because you had this poignant quote that you had found and you'd probably put in a little cursive. And then you had the author and you had the chapter, and you had this information and it looked like it didn't just look like a picture. It was a great picture that it had all this really highly calculated text there was artistry in putting the text together and that's a task like when we talked about tasks that we keep doing it's a task i've done year after year after year where i haven't ventured too far off of the original technology and it is a showstopper and an inspiration for students every year and i think i've shared this story once i have we have multiple students that come back to our graduation to volunteer to do the photography for us based on this unit was sort of their catalyst. I'm going to be a photographer. And I've always promoted the idea that this is, this, this is where the sort of that teaching the whole body that we were doing a read aloud, but it can be the spark plug to wanting to be a photographer and you're going on. Yeah. And so I ventured a little off topic on that one, but that's been sort of something I've created from ages on that I still use that tactic or that, that lesson. It's just powerful. Yeah. And and it it goes back, sorry to interrupt. It goes back to, you know, people inherently being creative people and it it just gets, it gets compressed and and put away and and on the back burner for so long because, because we have got, we do get used to being consumers after, after some time. Um, And I remember when I was back, you know, you were mentioning photography and you reminded me of when I was in grade 10, um, my favorite class was photography. And, um, I remember, you know, we, we learned everything about, you know, our, the camera. And then we were in, we were taking really great pictures with great composition. And then we were developing our own pictures. I couldn't wait for that class. 
every single we were termed and so it was every other day every other day we were going to photography and i was so excited for that class because i just wanted to get in the dark room and see what my pictures looked like that i created that week and uh and as you watched it develop you were just like so thrilled with what you had created, created. yeah with what you had created because this is all in your mind's eye until you see it on that piece of paper and uh on that on that photo paper. And so it's, it's, it's thrilling when you see the, the final product of your creation. And, and I'm sure that kids get the same high when they are creating digitally as well. You, they get that same high and which is why they keep coming back to, to volunteer, to do the photography. Oh, I was going to say they keep coming back. Why do we fail them? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I started to do, uh, my tasks this week. So I wanted to get into my digital creation, but I also wanted to connect it back to your physical creation. It, it, it's not solely with tech. And so, you know, we'd done this really great, uh, Terry Fox walk with Beth that sort of gave us, uh, that collaboration where we had these nine, I think it's 11 stations that each student visited. So we did that out in the land-based area. We're walking around. I had my kids. I wanted them to take three takeaways from each board and each board asked for something different. They weren't just specifically questions. They were, how do you feel? What's your safe space? What's your calm space? Very differentiated. Mm -hmm. And so they they weren't necessarily jotting down answers. Every every station didn't have a specific answer. And so we came in and then I wanted to culminate that activity. So I got out some red paper and I, I gave every kid a letter. So each the, when we ascended with all the posters, it would say, Terry Fox rocks. And then within the letter, I said, you've been to 11 stations. So around your letter, let's make 11 symbols or designs that reflect each station so that they totally contrast each other. So you could put number one, and I said, give me one takeaway from station one, and then you could put it in an orange triangle. And then number two, you could put it in a blue square so that every bit of information was different uh, and and contrasted the other one so it didn't sort of blend into the background. And students had freedom to create. I gave that example, but they could create anything. So some of them actually took made them all Polaroid pictures, and they put them all around. And they ended up looking great, very different from each student. And then I said, okay, this is the creation. I said, now we're going to get onto our Google Slides and we're going to create not necessarily the same thing, but I'm going to give you the same task. And I gave them the same test. Use Google Slides to demonstrate your learning from our, our walkabout with Terry Fox. I said, you can put it all on one slide. You can make it a series of slides. You could put video. You can put pictures. You can be as uh, free to create as you want it. Um, our students, and maybe if you're very comfortable with Google Slides, it seems like, well, they'll make something great. Our students weren't totally comfortable mm-hmm. with Google Slides. They didn't have a lot of experience with it. They hadn't created a lot. And so I gave them just enough little guides to sort of propel them forward. And then they had their physical version they had done as sort of like, were they inspired to try to duplicate it? There were a few students that duplicated it almost perfectly. Mm-hmm. That they had the red poster, the white letter in the center, and they found the shapes and they put the information in. Other students had created a vast array of slides, a slide for each station. A bunch of other students did something similar, but then they found a YouTube clip for Terry Fox on each one. They built and they create. And this is where I had that story where kids saw over their shoulder, one kid had a spinning letter T. Right. Whoa, how do you do that? Do that? Yeah. Mr. Cheney, I can't do that. And it was just like, and then, hey, I got you, I got you, come over here. And this, the the vibrancy of the room to be creators. And then when we talked about, we're, we're creators now. They they were, the, the pride they had to know they were creating was knowing that we had a target of being creators. 
and we were creating. And then at the end, we talked about where did you enjoy creating the most? Mm-hmm. Now that you've done, we often compare apples and oranges and actually pretend we're comparing apples and apples, but no, they're, when we compare apples and oranges, they're supposed to be different. One's an apple, sweet, and one's an orange, and typically sour. So, where are you buying your oranges? No, I don't eat oranges. I made that up for a make for a better story. Eh? Yeah, I wanted to make sure they were clearly <laughs> different because often we say we're just like comparing apples and oranges, but you mean comparing apples and apples. But we were comparing apples and apples. They had done the same project and they had done it physically and they had done it digitally and just the reflection afterwards. And then we used it to talk about differentiated instruction and sort of your learning. I said, this is great that you're sort of discovering a strength, discovering a passion. And then the flip of the coin is you've also discovered something you're not necessarily passionate about not necessarily comfortable at and so we know where we can lean to when we want to sort of build on something we feel good about but we also found it's like diagnostic a diagnostic test now i also know where i can learn a little bit where i can grow a little bit Mm -hmm. where i as a teacher need to propel some of that learning and so it was a really rich task culminated over a couple weeks of the terry fox walk jotting down some notes then making the physical project the creation and then making the the digital creation and then a comparison of where did you feel better what did you see the gaps were and then just to see students create and sort of have that productive struggle it was it was a really fantastic exercise for me as a teacher to sort of facilitate and watch and learn along with them because my teaching practice has improved because of it yeah and it was just great to see students creating and and using something like google size to be so creative so different and even though we're done they still want to go back at it because they got lots to because they came back to consume right they came back into i gotta watch a youtube video on how to do this on google slides that's it you know that i had a very similar experience especially well with the google slides as well this week um my students many of them for the very first time were using google slides and so we had a very uh simple i actually wanted to do something collaborative with my class because we can't there's not very much opportunity to be collaborative in class and so uh, i assigned uh groups where they had to create Google Slides, uh, the vocabulary cards. And so they had to do like um, a definition, use your your vocabulary word in a sentence, and then provide an image or a video to further explain what that, uh, what that vocabulary word means. And so you can find your video or your picture or whatever on the internet, or you can record your own. And that was all the instruction I gave. I didn't teach a lesson on how to do all of those things. Um, I just put that out there and I said, okay, now go do it. And so the students were just like, well, how? And I said, well, explore a little bit, just explore a little bit. And then they explored and they, they, like you said, they, they watched a couple of videos. They did a little bit of a Google search. They, how do I do this? How do I put a video in my Google slides? Or, you know, they just called me over and then I, I kind of just walked them through it. But when they want to do something, and then you come over to show them how to do it, they consume that information far better than if I'm standing in front of the class teaching them how to do it before they begin the task. So once they're actually in the task and they're like, I I need to know how to do this. And then they take, they actually listen to the information that you're giving them because it's, it's geared towards the, their end goal. And so I had a very similar experience and now I've got kids that have learned how to drop the shadow behind the video and that because they saw that I had, I had little shadow. It's like, my, my video doesn't look like your video. How do I get it to look like yours? And I said, well, what's different? 
you've got that little shadow behind it. So, and then they, they kind of explored a little bit with the formatting of the video to see how they could do that. And then they were just, you know, messing around. How do I change the color of that, the shadow? So it was really nice to see that. So just as a, as you were talking, I was paralleling to what my, cl my class was doing this week with Google Slides as well. And it was just tons of fun. It was a lot of fun and it was great learning. And, and it's really nice to see when kids are being creative um, because it really gets your fire going as well to think about different ways that you can be creative with your students. As Dr. Brandon Beck would say, unlocking their unlimited potential. Ooh, I like that one. On Codebreaker. That's it. Send us a check, please. <laughs> <laughs> so but, this was a fantastic episode. Yeah. I really enjoyed the conversation that we had with each other about uh, creativity with technology. And I'm pretty sure once we push stop on the record button, you're going to go, you were so wrong. Is this something that has happened before? I don't know. It, it makes for a good story, whether it's happened or not. And does it, if it happened or not, really even matter anymore? I'm sure you're going to tell everybody about it. You won't believe what Pab said to me afterward. It was insane. <laughs> and I'll be like, well, tell me what. No, no, I don't want to tell you what she said. I just want to tell you she said something, eh? That way you'll come back next week and you'll think, oh, maybe we should see it on the air. <laughs> I know how to hook people. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. All right. So I think we're just about ready to wrap this uh, episode up. Yeah, I think you're right, too. So remember to inspire. Don't require. Always be a humble servant. And remember, education never, never dies. dies. You've been listening to the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav. Written, performed and produced by Che Cheney and Pav Wanda in association with School Rubric, an online magazine and website designed for international and global educators. You can stay connected with Che and Pav by visiting their Twitter and Instagram pages. And also, check out their articles related to each episode on the School Rubric webpage. All links are provided in the episode write-up. The podcast is recorded weekly at their in-class studio and performed in front of a live studio audience. Be sure to join Che and Pav next week, because there's always something to talk about in the staff room.